Welcome to the Fania Radio Show. This time we met with Pete on the corner, in London, in a busy Chinese restaurant for tea. Pete told us how he connected with music, explored Africa and found a record label back in London. What brought you to music? What brought you to, to bring up a label? Can you tell us um, a about Yeah, so, I mean, I've always been quite, I'd say, passionate about music. I was always, um, you know, as far as I can remember, I remember having records, you know, like little seven inches when I was a kid. Um, and probably, you know, show my age, but about 20 years ago, one of my kind of ideas or ambitions was, was like, you know, I spent a lot of time reading things like Mixed Mag and listening to people like Laurent Garnier, um, just on tape cassettes or whatever, but I lived in a tiny village in the middle of nowhere, so music and club culture was totally separate from my listening, which never really felt quite right. Um, I became a digger, like a record collector, um, again about 20 years ago, just picking up bits and pieces and maybe trying to DJ at parties, but the sound that I had, or it never really made sense for me to be a DJ because it was never, like, I didn't have the ambition to go out and purely just play at parties. It was more about representing my taste in music. But um, I'd been working for an international campaign organisation in human rights and I'd got quite a lot of time and passion for African music mm -hmm. and the two, the two kind of flipped, so from having an eye to political situations in Africa and around the world, it became actually... When, when I travelled in Africa, when I spoke to musicians or when I went to places, rather than talking about, not that there's no place for those kind of stories, but so essentially I'm a bit of a storyteller but also explorer. And I think I was taken, 
very influenced by, say, Jonathan Peterson's idea of searching for the perfect beat and his diverse array of left of centre house music through to the history of spiritual jazz. Mm -hmm. And back in 2007, I remember quite clearly, like, I'd been uh, in the Sahara, like, doing a couple of things. running in the desert mountain being one of them but also travelling a lot to the Sahara and it was an incredible you know experience and something I've done a few times since but when I got back I heard the collaboration between Kieran Hebden of Quartet and Steve Reed and played on Giles so when I was in Mauritania and the Sahara they were over the border in like Senegal recording this album and I heard the story I watched the video of Daxar and was just like this is what I want to be doing. I want to be, want to be making, doc- documenting this kind of musical exchange. And I suppose when I left that career, I didn't, I didn't set out on a plan. I just knew that I wanted to work more in culture because I'd come from an anthropological kind of background. took a sabbatical and spent a year just wanting to explore um, musical scenes in urban environments across Africa because I felt, okay, there's labels out there documenting the past of Africa, like the heydays, Analog Africa and Soundway and, you know, there's a whole bunch of guys that are doing that really well. And I just stumbled into this cacophony of drums on a very dark night. And I know from anthropology that um, those drums can be quite ritualistic or even funeral rites. So I was kind of like, I can hear those drums and I know they're in a private party down that very dark alleyway. And I made that jump and I went, I went and I got pulled into this little courtyard where there were there was one strip light and a room probably twice the size of this with like maybe 18 dancers all synchronized and 12 drummers and percussionists and it was just like this is this is like wow so I ended up spending a week uh, listening to their kind of voodoo influenced drums filming them a little bit I mean I, I went into all this as a my skills as a maybe storyteller were as written so I was a writer maybe um, I'd taken a very rudimentary camera and a, my mp3 player to record so I'd got no experience of making recordings but it was it was kind of like just putting my toe in to see is this what I want to do is there, a, is there a way I can make this work so I got back to my job um, in London and continued the continued the involvement on the music side of things by being a music editor for my friend's magazine.
Steve Reed died the year I went to Africa. Um, and I'm fascinated by his journey from America, taking his drums to the Canary Islands, dropping them in the sea, and then wandering around different parts of Africa, learning the rhythms. Now, he epitomizes that kind of charismatic musician that is on so many recordings, and he loves, you know, the freedom and there's a poetry in his music, you know, there's rights, there's rights, the ideas of um, rights-based stuff in his music as well, like civil rights. Um, so I'm fascinated by his story, and I'd heard, at the same time as I heard that Steve, uh, Steve Reed, Kieran Hebden piece, the first bit of music by Eminator hit me as well, and that was him remixing Burial with Art Blakey's drums. Art Blakey. Now that went under the surface because I know Hyperdub are quite yeah. tight about where Burial gets to, but for me, I was just like, this is mental. This is absolutely mental, you know? Um, I fucking love it. And so I think with the music editorial, I'd reached out to. Nick and said, I want to involve you in my playlist for the year. This was probably 2011, maybe, 2012. And I met him after a DJ gig. And he's like, look, I'm just recording more stuff for Steve Lee Foundation. Why don't you come along? So I filmed him doing the whole emanative with Jessica Lauren, with um, loads of people like... Um, Colacuta were in there, Rocket Number no. 9 were in there, so all these different collaborators, and I'm just the fly on the wall filming bits and pieces. I'm like, these are the most amazing gigs that I'm witness to because it's, it's live recordings of a big studio. Um, so, yeah, I, I said to Nick, I was looking at finishing my job and I was living in central London so I said look why don't we take my turntables over to the local cafe on Monday nights and have a kind of Chicago, Detroit to you know Dakar kind of evening and just play what we want basically so from Theo Parish to Saharan Rhythms to you know deep jazz let's just go and and we you know it's, it's a Monday night in central London two turntables and a a mixer and we did it for a few months lugging my 1210s across the middle of central London um, and from that we we called it well I, I called it on the corner because Miles Davis's on the corner really represented that moment in time uh, kind of 69 70 where music was jazz was becoming electrified but also the production methods that Miles used on the corner became kind of hip-hop, you know, those editing techniques in it. Yeah, so even before the label was formed, at the On The Corner sessions, the thing that really sparked me was hearing Tamar's. So then we had a meeting just down the road from Sounds Universe as that first record came out. She wanted it to be played by Giles Peterson on the shelves of Sounds Universe and on vinyl. And so I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but, you know, let's, let's try this, let's, let's, let's give it a go. To keep warm. So rye wax in the basement of the Bussy Building is nice. I go there, um, keep them warm. So if you're going to pubs, there's um, there's a very good 
place called the Jerusalem Tavern, which is not too far away near near which, Cam, which, uh, what's it called Clerkenwell, near Clerkenwell, Clerkenwell. near Fabric actually. Uh, the Jerusalem Tavern. It's like an old 13th or 14th century pub. Um, Clerkenwell Road. Clerkenwell Road. It's not Clerkenwell Road, but it's near Clerkenwell. So the Jerusalem Tavern. Um, well, well, I quite like hanging out the BFI when I've got time to hang out the British Film Institute on the South Bank. Cafe Otto is great. Um, Sounds the Universe is where I keep warm. You know, that's my record shop. That the yard in Hackney Wick is good for night uh, nights out. It's quite cheap. Starts at midnight. Bit of a party. Oh, great. I want to say thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Thanks for all. Thanks a lot. Wicked. All, the, all the best to you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And now, as a special treat, a mix set by Pete on the corner. Enjoy.
roads of the tumba, the cabs don't look right. No steering wheels, no doors, only blinding headlights on the roads of the tumba. Desperate need a ride, so I holler cap and jump inside. Comfortable seat, move my feet, protected from the heat. Welcome, madam, have a seat. Next station, your destination. Full of humps, creating rhythmical bumps on the roads of a tumba. A wooden man with a spear in his hand, bad voodoo, chivalry vocal. Abandoned land, clump of cement, a desperate white man drop a stop. Drive a go. Hey madam, I think I know you. Look like my black sister, bud. No, she don't know me. But like a good human being, he is. He reminds me. Teaches, threatens, and thrills me. Trash, tests, and takes me to the roads of a tumba. Cause he insists he knows my face, knows my past, my present, and my race. But no, he don't know me. On the roads of a tumba, punk, jam, healing, smoke, door slams, good voodoo. So he cuts off my ears. Look more like his sister now. So vibrant and young, licking his tongue. Caught after a breath, stay shooting him in the chest on the roads of a tumba. We are all still alive, but with no life, just waiting, 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 waiting for the green light. On the roads of a tumba. I don't know myself on the roads of the tumba. But hey man, why are you judging when you're the one that needs to ride? But hey man, why are you judging when you're the one that needs to ride? Why are you judging? Why are you judging? Judging, judging, judging.
92 and 93.
This was the Fania Radio Show with Pete on the Corner. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you all for listening. Be good to yourself.